The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going, Dom? Very well, thanks. And Joanne Mercer. Hi, Joanne. Hey, Dom. Uh, Folks, before we get into our topics today, I do want to recommend to you another show that's on the StarQuest Network that you will surely enjoy called American Catholic History. Tom and Noel Crow take us each week about 20 minutes. They give us a little slice of the history of the Catholic Church in these Americas, uh, going even before the founding of the United States, all the way back to, I think they go back to 1530 something or other. Uh, But amazing stories, not just the saints. Everybody, uh, recent episodes on Lawrence Welk, <laughs> uh, on the desegregation of Catholic churches in uh, South Carolina. What are the Carolinas? I can never keep them straight. Sorry, folks in Carolinas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, Newt Rockne, uh, um, uh, Alfred Hitchcock. I must said Winston Churchill. That's a totally different podcast. Uh, <laughs> you know, just in, or, you know, St. Kateri Tekakwitha. I mean, everybody. And it's just. It's amazing. Every week you're going to be blown away in about 20 minutes. So check it out. It's at sqpn.com slash history or, of course, wherever you find fine podcasts. All right, now let's get into today's uh, episode. And I want to first start off with some feedback from a listener, uh, Michael, who is a SQPN patron at uh, patreon.com slash starquest and he sent a little bit of feedback on our last episode where we had uh, our christmas gift guide with jack and thomas and thomas had uh his picks all revolved around the theme of 3d printing and so michael wanted to respond to that he said thomas's explanation about 3d printers for those that might be interested in entering the hobby was right on the mark as someone who purchased an ender 3 a little over two years ago it was a great way to figure out if it was a hobby that would stick without spending the much higher entry cost of some other brands. Now, having modified much of the printer, including the hot end, extruder, extruder motor, etc., I have a better appreciation for the capabilities and limitations of these devices. I'm also looking forward to see if any of the recently announced Prusa XL enhancements will work their way into a replacement for the Mark 3S Plus. So those were the uh, my interjection here. Thomas's two picks were uh, the Ender 3, and then the higher end was the Prusa. Uh, He also says, uh, I believe this was mentioned in a previous episode, but I highly recommend learning how to use something like Autodesk Fusion 360. Uh, He means for creating the 3D models. The ability to create custom printable models makes the printer considerably more useful. When my home parish had outdoor masses to handle larger groups during the pandemic, this technology was used to design and print rotating ciborium lids and Mm. mounting brackets for custom weatherproof collection baskets. Michael, that is awesome, and I love the idea of, and I would love to hear from people of how you've used 3D printing technology within your parish context or within a Catholic ministerial or you know organizational context. That sounds really amazing. Uh, so if yeah. you have stories of that, send them in. I'd love to hear it. In- and if anybody wants to donate a 3D printer to Sacred Heart Parish in Cascade, Montana, <laughs> the parish will be will gratefully, I mean, the pastor will gratefully accept it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and that was a great thing was uh, Thomas's uh, recommendation of the Enders was that they were, 
they were the inexpensive way to start. And so it, it yeah. wouldn't cost a whole lot for a parish. Uh, Father Joseph Sund, who's been on the podcast and will be returning mm-hmm. soon in, in January, uh, he works at a high school. He's a chaplain for a high school where they have like a high-end one that's like a $3,600 3D printer. Ooh. It sounds awesome. But they can start as little as a few hundred bucks. So. You know, I'm going to have to look into this technology because uh, you had me at printing rotating ciborium lids. Exactly. Yeah. So there's, that's impressive. There's a, lo- yeah. there's a lot you can do with this technology. It's only gotten better. I mean, yep. and, and, you know, we'll be talking about, you know, we're, we're, it actually fits in with our topic today. But, you know, 3D printing has only been around commercially or residentially, you know, for, for individuals what five ten years a decade at most i think yeah at most a decade i don't even yeah. think that i don't even think you know you're two, 2000 uh 2011 they are really that available like you could get some of the like the maker kits i think were yeah. probably just starting to come out about 10 years expensive ago expensive and very much people who are very skilled hobbyists at the time yeah yeah but i mean and now they, they've gotten almost the maybe even easier to use than your regular paper printer. I don't know, because paper printers still are a pain in the rear end sometimes. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> well, think about things like, you know, mounting brackets for, uh, you know, cameras or, you know, like some yep. mundane things that aren't specifically Catholics per se. But but then things like, yeah, like uh, maybe a, like if a bracket for, you know, I don't know, a holy water font breaks rather than having to mm. order one and mm-hmm. go out – 3D print it and, you know, screw it back in and you're back in business right away. I mean, there's so many of these little things. Thomas was talking about how many things he makes for his wife around the house. Like, she's like, oh, the oh, yeah. we need a new knob for this cabinet. I'll be right back. And I mean, it's not that quick. It's not like a replicator. That would be nice. But it's pretty quick. So it's it's kind of awesome to to think about this. I'm really, really tempted myself <laughs> by this technology <laughs> and, uh, one of these days. Well, Christmas got me into home automation, so now I'm going to have to look into 3D printing. <laughs> right. There you go. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and I do want to say, Dom, I think it was great that all of us had a chance to do Christmas yes. gift ideas. Yes. It, it re- I listened to the other two really intently. So Yeah. And I, I think that's going to be our, our, uh, our format going forward, because uh, it's nice to have you know uh, a couple people do it, but to have everybody, everyone has such a different perspective on... Mm-hmm. The, these things that really, you know, Joanne, you and I are going to pick Apple stuff. You know, that's just of course our thing. we are. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, Thomas and Jack, they're they're picking other things. Although one of Jack's was a uh, iPod uh, videos re- re- refurbished. So if you heard, you know, he did uh, this company that sells these upgraded refurbed iPod videos, which is kind of awesome. Nice. But, you know, I would never have thought of a digital bagpipe. <laughs> you know? Yes, <laughs> that was new. <laughs> so uh, I just love that. I hope, I hope the listeners enjoyed that too. So we'll, we'll, we'll try to do that again uh, next year. All right. So we hinted at, uh, and Michael, again, thank you for your feedback. Love it. Uh, folks, if you want to send feedback, send it to technology at sqpn.com. Uh, and Joanne, you hinted at this, uh, our topic for today, our primary topic, which is this, I, I saw this article, this interview with the author of a book, and the question came up, uh, he, he says, technology, as we all know, is improving at an exponential rate. But is that good or bad for society? And as usual with these sorts of things, the answer is both. And so I wanted mm. to talk a little bit about this question and and, and how we approach this uh, this this topic. Um, and the, the 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 thesis of the point is he says um, here's the, the the nugget paragraph. He argues that this rate of technological changes and the author the the person they're interviewing his name is Azim Azar. 
He says, Azar argues that this rate of technological change is leaving the institutions of yore, regulators and lawmakers mostly, in the dust and leaving society dizzy. He calls the gulf between the rate of technological change and the reg regulatory capacity an exponential gap and argues we need to close these gaps in order for these tech advancements to benefit all of society. And I would want to expand that a little bit to say another organization that might be playing catch up or definitely playing catch up is the church as well. And so I'd like to add in, how does the church deal with the rapid pace of technological change? So what do you what do you all think uh, just in general uh, at first? You know, I will I will say that in our lifetimes, we've lived in really unprecedented technological change oh, I mean, yeah. in general. I mean, you look in the, la the last century, we've gone from literally cars being the latest and greatest technology to, um, you know, computers and Starlink and cell mm -hmm. phone, smartphones and uh, self-driving cars and, you know, technology everywhere now, you know, I mean, yeah, computer technology, internet technology everywhere now. You know, so, I mean, we, we have lived in a very unprecedented time for that. And I think there is a legitimate concern of when technology, technology gets ahead of us, where we don't understand how to use it well, but there, it keeps advancing, advancing, advancing. And yeah. I, I think that that actually is a legitimate concern that we need to be aware of. Right. Yeah, I think... Um... Is it moving too fast? I think it has to move as fast as it need, progresses. Mm -hmm. You don't want to hold it back either. I think it's how do we respond to that fast movement? Right. I think back on my own life, which is probably a little longer than Father Corey's, um, mm -hmm. where I started with you know transistor radios and, and handheld large uh, cassette and eight tracks. Yep. And and each one of these things I can I can pattern through my life. I learned when I needed it and and took my time with it. And it's gotten me. That's why I just said, you know, I just tackled home automation mm -hmm. and that's been around for a while, but I needed it. So yeah. so that's the way I've I've approached it. I think what happens is two things. One, you get people who are like totally afraid of technology, no matter what it is. So they don't want to learn it at all. Mm -hmm. Or you get folks who are so far advanced that they think everybody needs to catch up in order to, you know, for all of us to live in harmony and peace and love. It, that isn't going to happen. And the church is an, a total example of that. I don't think the church came into the tech, technological age until the pandemic. Right. And now it's starting to see. I think some people did, Father Corey. I mean, yeah. but other the, well, the majority of institutions. I'm sitting there kind of nodding my head, kind of like, uh, kind of, sort of, because, um, I mean, the, the, there have been, I mean, obviously the church was using computers and internet oh, before yeah. pandemic. Now, were we using it to our fullest? No. Are we using it to our fullest now? No. I mean, um, about, oh, it was about eight, nine years ago, our diocese actually tried to do webinars, you know, like uh, online seminars about different topics. And I was asked to do one on technology, Internet technology. And I was this again, this was well before the word coronavirus and all those other nasty words were ever in our lexicon. And I was saying, you know, we is you know, we were still doing dial up 
conference calls where you literally <laughs> picked up the phone and dialed in and punched in numbers to get to your conference calls. And they were hideous and they were hideous from the day they came out and they were still hideous. And I was saying, you know, there's these technologies like go to meeting. We need to start looking at those. We need to start looking at how can we be doing things like live streaming masses? How can we be doing, you know, how can we be doing stuff like, you know, videos online and, you know, stuff, you know, YouTube and things like this. How do we properly use Facebook and Twitter? And people just kind of, it just kind of went in one ear and out the other. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, and I, I, I was, I had to bite my tongue a lot during meetings where, you know, people are saying, well, now we're trying to figure out the Zoom. And I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> and that's just it. Yeah. It wasn't that long ago. I worked for the Archdiocese of Boston in their, uh, in their media uh, office, and we were doing things like pushing parishes to implement electronic offertory, pushing parishes to mm-hmm. investigate live streaming, which admittedly 10 years ago when I was doing this, it was a lot more, more expensive and a lot more difficult to do. Yeah. Uh, but we were saying you, you, we need to start looking at this because this is going to be more important in the future. And I mean, God bless them. The pastors usually were either older and thus technologically resistant which is what kind of what we're talking about, or they were uh, just too busy, and they like mm-hmm. I got too many other uh, you know thought things I got to deal with, and you know so th- then we get hit by the pandemic, and it's okay we got to start live streaming everything. How do I do this? And yeah, uh, we've got to we're, we're losing money because people aren't be giving in the basket, and you know we need electronic offertory. It's like yep, yep, you know, and I, again, it's just not just all about I told you so, and I was so smart, and you guys weren't. It's the church, as an institution, to its credit, moves slowly about some mm-hmm. things. Yeah. You know that we we don't. You know the church has a long process for declaring saints. Everyone, Mother Teresa died, and everyone said she's a saint. Heck, we were saying it before she died. Right. But mm-hmm. the church still took three years to say it, which was right. an unprecedentedly short period of time to declare a saint. Right. You know there have been great saints that took decades to name them a saint. So the church moves slowly, purposefully for many things, but. When it comes to technology, that the church, the, I don't know that that serves the church well. Not just for the running of things, like, like the uh, the Archdiocese of Boston. I don't know if they still do it, but until very recently, fax machines was a primary means of communication. I, uh, uh, so it's I, not. I think that's finally died off. I think in most <laughs> dioceses, most parishes, the fax machine has finally <laughs> yeah. died off. Of course, I don't even have a fax machine anymore. Right. So, but it's also how does the church deal with? technology as a part of the moral life as part of the spiritual life as part of the daily life of catholics and that's Mm -hmm. really an an important question because you know it's not enough that the pope has a twitter account i mean that's fine that's good i mean the pope is out there but it's how do we help people who are trying to navigate things like uh social media addiction or Mm -hmm. uh social media siloing of of uh you know of our attitudes about the, whether it's the church or whether it's about issues in, of the day and uh indoctrination that occurs through technology and lots of these things about t- how technology because technology is in everything now it affects all of our lot you know our entirety of life and the church is playing catch up on on these things so much of the time well then and i would I'd argue that necessarily the church should be a little bit of a break on advancement mm-hmm. only because we should be looking at every advancement we make and saying, is this moral? Is this for the good of humanity? Is this, you know, um, 
Because there, obviously, we can look through history. We can pick through, you know, nuclear bombs and all oh, these yeah. other technological advances where we would say, you know, that was not for the good of humanity. The development of nuclear weapons was not for the good of humanity. Yes, nuclear power is good, but not the weapons, you know. And so the church should be that necessary break. But I would also say that we should be, invest, you know, finding, looking at these technologies and say, how can we help people? You know, one thing, you know, talking about, we've, we've always talked about the technological gap where, and I think with the rise of cell or cheap s- smartphones, that, that gap is narrowed extremely. You know, I mean, it, it's much more narrow than it used to be. But how about people that they don't have home internet because they can't afford it? They don't have a home computer because they can't afford it. Yes, they've got a smartphone. But if there's things that need to be done, especially with our government, because a lot of things for our government moved online that you can't do in person anymore. How are we as parishes helping them do stuff like that? Right. You know, things, you know, I mean, that's just one example off the top of my head. How are we helping those who maybe are being left behind by these technologies where these are good and necessary technologies, but they're being left behind because of circumstances, money or age or inability. The, the church has to be the voice for the, the poor and even including the technologically poor. I saw a mm-hmm. case recently. It was a, 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 a video out of Italy. Italy has the, uh, the vaccine green pass system where you have to show your, that you've been vaccinated to go certain yep. places. And there's this elderly Nona, like she looks like my grandmother, right? You know, this, this woman who's got to be in her eighties and she's, she's trying to go probably go to the store to buy some bread or something. You know what I mean? And this cop has got her in the street. And he's demanding to see her green pass on her smartphone. And she's like, I don't own a, f- a phone. <laughs> like she's like, yeah. like the poor woman in the church has to be the voice for people like this. Like, cause who will, who is going to stand up for the, the, right. the technologically poor, the church will stands up for the financially and economically poor, but also the technologically poor. We have to be their voice as well, where we, where we tell society, Stop. Think. Look. Because if we, if the church isn't doing mm-hmm. it, somebody else might be doing it, but but doing it with different motives or different outcomes, different uh, moral and philosophical underpinnings to the way that they want right. to do things that are antithetical, perhaps to uh, the 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 way th- things should be. And so, yeah, the church has to be that voice. Yeah, and and the church needs to remember too that while we have all these lovely technological things. That yes, there are people who don't have right. access to computer or technology. So when we're sending out stuff, it has to be the total array mm-hmm. of you know on on website on Facebook by mail. We have to continue to use snail mail, even though it'll get there ten days later. But <laughs> right. still, we need to do that. We can't leave anybody behind. And when we well, have these things, you know, the Pope has a Twitter. It's nice that you have these things. But you need to use them. You can't just throw them up there and say, my parish has a Facebook page and then do nothing. Right. Right. You know, you have and monitor people on it, too. I mean, if somebody, Mm -hmm. you know, asks a question, get back to them in 24 hours. Don't leave them hanging for three days. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's one thing you talk about, you know, people not using the technology. And that's something I'm I'm struggling with here because we have we're trying to reach out to those who are younger, who aren't coming to mass, aren't involved in the parish life. And every time I mention something like, well, we need to be on Facebook, we need to be on social media, we need to be doing these technologies, and we need to be doing online giving, I immediately get the 80-year-old, I haven't turned on a computer in my lifetime, and I don't see the need of ever having these technologies. It's like, uh, it works both ways, dude. Yeah. You haven't turned on a computer. 
We've got people who aren't coming to this parish that haven't stopped looking at a computer in right. their lifetime. I mean, you can't just, you know, stick your head <laughs> in the sand and and pretend because, the, it, you know, the fact that the, the numbers don't lie is the, the people, the people who aren't coming to church are the people who are, you know, technologically savvy yeah. and whatever. And we have to be rel- the church needs to be relevant. And I don't mean the church has to, you know, change with the wind where the wind blows. What I mean mm-hmm. is, is the church has to go like missionaries as pope benedict had said digital missionaries we have to be missionaries in the place where the unchurched are yes. where the people need to hear the message of christ and so just like missionaries came to the new world to reach people we need to go into the digital world and reach people uh, when we say things like digital world i feel so like such an old person uh, well, we, that, have, that's a, we no, have to go on the facebooks and the twitters on the, on the new media <laughs> yes yes oh, new media now yeah and, and and then we have to be careful and i will speak for the liturgical end of this we have to mm-hmm. be careful when bringing these technologies into liturgy yeah oh yes because there are so many screens i'm going to give you my bias on this not a fan of projecting anything on a wall oh yeah no. yeah never no, have no. been as far when it comes to church because I'm still an old school musician that says, number one, you need to have a book in your hand because that's a good thing for your brain. And mm-hmm. second, th- that music needs to have notes. You yeah. give people words and they don't know where it goes. Even if they can't read music, they can see it goes up or down. So you right. give them the brain gets a little engaged. I'm not against using electronic missilettes. Mm-hmm. That's a lovely mm-hmm. thing to save a tree. Mm-hmm. But when I do, people think I'm playing games mm-hmm. because yeah. I have my, but not so much since the pandemic. I've seen more of those in church. But again, you have to take the technologies where they are and decide what is good. What's the focus at mass? What's going on in the sanctuary? Not well, up on the walls. Yep. And that was a controversy. What? Not not even a decade, probably five years ago, uh, was it Cardinal Seurat came out and talked about how there shouldn't be using like iPads for celebrating mass. Priests should not be using iPads for celebrating mass and for the readings because the books mm. themselves are sacred. The books right. themselves are set aside for this purpose. And we need to have that connection to the physical, mm-hmm. you know, because an iPad that priest right. could take his iPad like I could take my iPad and then go sit and play video games on it or surf the Internet later. You know, whereas the book can only be used for that purpose. Yeah, and you know, I've, I've joked. Yeah, good. Hmm? I was going to say that iPad could have been playing Game of Thrones uh, a couple hours yeah. ago. You know, and that was exactly for exactly. Yeah. And you know, I, I I agree with that that we should be maintaining with liturgy. And I, I would I I understand why people would use like iBrevery on their phone to follow the mass readings. I really do. But that being said. I still prefer to use the books, still prefer to see people with, if they're going to look at anything, they're looking at the books, the actual hard, or not the actual paper books uh, at mass. But I, I have joked, though, that some iPad uh, case manufacturer needs to make one that looks like the uh, Roman Missile. Well, like the book. It's like a Roman yes. Missile case. The book book uh, uh, cover, you know, so they, they should yeah. make a Roman Missile case. You know, my father-in-law, has, his eyesight isn't great. And so he follows the the readings he follows the prayers in the mass on his phone in large print you know right there mm-hmm. he, that's he does and i i have no problem with that you know joanne to your previous point about projecting the the the, the songs or anything during mass in addition to it, the the notes and stuff i just think screens is in and of themselves like especially big screens as opposed to something you hold in your hand are 
quality. I don't know. There's something about them that makes them more distracting than yes. simply having a book in your hand. Having screens in the church on the walls or somewhere, whether it's projected or a TV. I like not in like in the vestibule is fine. Put informational screens out there, or, you know, digital signage, whatever. That's fine. But I mean, like for liturgical use, I just think that there's something qualitatively wrong about that. That it, I think it it it's there's a psychological reason. Um, the word well, uh, I don't know. Well, we've, yeah, we've trained ourselves to tune out when we're watching a screen. That's yeah, we've trained ourselves that our focus goes on that screen. And so it can be very easy for even if all that's on that screen is the text of the mass that's as it's going on. You literally got somebody there with the PowerPoint slide mm-hmm. clicking along with the father or with the readings, you know, and that's all you're doing. People are just going to focus on that right. and they're right. going to miss everything else that's going on. And that's my point. Exactly. That's my point. It's and, and some have taken it, taken it to an nth degree where they're projecting other kinds of things during the homily or, you know, specific oh. verses. Yeah, I'm not into that theater. Yeah, I, and, and I'm no. going to call it theater. I'm not into that theater. You should be paying attention, even if he's boring, to the man at the Ambo. You know, yeah. and hopefully he moves around. He's animated and he's and he's, you know, interesting. But that's where our focus needs to be. We can't be focusing Agreed. screen down, screen down. Book up is one thing. Because <laughs> yeah. you're always looking yeah. up. Right. From your book. That's true. But down is a different is a that's, different liturgical feeling. That's an interesting point. Yeah. I mean, I've been at, like, say, sports, you know, professional sports where the action's being projected on the big screen and you find yourself staring at the screen instead of at the field. And the, mm-hmm. I go to myself, I could sit at home and do that, like, look at the field and see what's well, going on there. And it's it's funny to go to a, a game in a smaller park, whether it's like a high school mm-hmm. game or like a semi-pro or whatever. Like, you know, we've got a minor league, a rookie league team here in Great Falls. They don't have jumbotrons. And so you can't watch the replay you know, on the TV. And of course, the immediate reaction is look to the outfield and see where the jumbotron (laughs) is like, oh yeah, they don't have one here. (laughs) But that's also, yeah, good. Go ahead. I'm going to say now the only place that that could actually work is at a very large cathedral. Right. If you're sitting a football field away from the sanctuary, Mm. it's a special occasion. Okay, fine. Papal masses. I've been to papal masses with the screens and with the only thing. Otherwise, you're just looking at a sea of people. So a screen actually yeah. helps you be uh, and, right. And, and I would I would argue, yeah, it would be those, you know, million people masses that, or that yeah. matters. Not not even, you know, not even St. You know, Peter's Basilica or something like that. No, if, you, if the Pope might be, you know, about as tall as the eraser head of a pencil. But <laughs> you know what? You can still see him. Right. You know, You're to, fine. To quote, to quote Hamilton, it's still great to be in the room where it happens. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Be present in the room where it happens. So the last thing I want to say about this is, uh, you know, technology isn't bad. Uh, of course, isn't isn't always bad. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a tool. It can be used for good. It can be used for ill. But if technology pr- moves forward too fast, people get, begin to mistrust it. They They don't understand it and it becomes scary. And then there's mm-hmm. a rise in what's the author of this piece calls of this book calls the pitchfork mentality where we, 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 we start to turn against the technology. And I think in some ways we're starting to see some of that and people sort of mistrust technology that is relatively benign, you know, certain apps or smartphones. Like we start to think of them as magical, scary devices. How Mm -hmm. does, how does Facebook ad know that I, my husband and I were talking about, (laughs) sorry, I I stereotyped it as a woman, but you know, my wife and I were were talking about this 
thing the other day. And it's like, well, it's not it's not, they're not listening to you. It's it's actually, you know, in some ways a little scary, but interesting. Uh, it's a complex movement of data of, of 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 little bits of information they know about you through various ways. But we we don't understand it, how they do it. And so we begin to like treat it like scary magic. And that well, in this. This is where you bring up the Arthur C. Clarke quote, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Right. And that's and, where we're going. And we've, we've always had that. I mean, you look at when home computers started coming out and people started actually having hands-on interaction with actual computers. And there are people that they just, they wouldn't even touch them. They wanted nothing to do. You know, and we're talking like, you know, early IBM PCs, Commodore 64s, very basic technology by what we have today. And they still didn't understand them um and we do have there are very much luddites out there people who purposely are not embracing newer technologies they don't have smartphones and they don't on purpose yeah i i think i i don't hang around with a lot of luddites which is <laughs> which is probably good for my nerves but i do hang around with a lot of people who have felt felt like a failure with technology. Mm. That's a little bit different where they've really given it a sincere try and then they can't do it. So I get frustrating phone calls every day from friends saying, I just can't do this, Joanne. I I hate technology. It's like, no, 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 don't hate it. Just, just take it apart piece by piece as you would do any other problem. And you'll see it's not scary. I haven't met many with the pitch with the pitchfork. However, I have been the one sitting there going, why does Facebook know that? (laughs) yeah i've been in those shoes shoes. well and and, you know i i think we we're just kind of starting to see like the real pitchfork mentality Mm -hmm. um and and because and part of it is because of fear but i think also part of it is understanding how we react to the technology um one one example i can think of and i I won't mention names but there's a a catholic personality on youtube who has really taken to saying basically that no one should be using smartphones that they should be using maybe you know advanced dumb phones but not full smartphones and if you ask him I, i i think he would say oh no that's not what i'm trying to say but I, that really is what's coming across. And ironically, this is, again, a Catholic personality who's making his money off of YouTube, um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and a big part of it is because of he, just in what he has said publicly, his own addictive personalities. Well, that's, he has admitted yeah. that he is very much an addictive personality. Yeah. And the smartphone is another thing that he, can, he gets addicted to. Well, the problem with that is, is he's blanket saying, well, everybody's got this problem because I've got this problem. And I think that's something to watch out for when it comes to technology, that we can have our personal issues with technology and spread them out across. And that's where this pitchfork mentality comes out of saying, well, I don't understand technology, so no one should understand technology. Yeah. You know, and technology should not advance because I find it scary. Well, OK, you find it scary. The rest of us don't. You know, <laughs> like, I know the, I know the person you're talking about, and I, I do and I do disagree with him on this uh yeah, absolutely. And I, I, do too. I mean, I actually the one smartphone that he's mentioned, I really kind of like and I'm thinking about or dumb phone he's mentioned. I actually kind of like would like to yeah. y- investigate someday. But anyways, you're going to have to clue me in. I don't know who this is. Oh, well, you know, well, we'll yeah. talk offline. <laughs> yeah. we'll- but folks can find it if they if they want to. Uh, but okay. um, 
didn't what I think it was you, Father Corey, and maybe it was someone else who recommended recently a, a, a pick that was a uh, not dumbed down no, smartphone, it, like a, a limited yeah, smartphone. Yeah, no, that's it, it was me, and it was based off of, of his recommendations. Um, but I just and I, I like I said, this is a phone I want to investigate. It's got a couple of features missing that I need to use it. Yeah, because I would like to get away from the smartphone personally, right. Because I know my personality with the smartphone, but it's not because smartphones are bad. It's because I know I don't have the self-control. Right. Necessary. I suppose. You know, and I yeah. think that's the difference. The question is, 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 is he's kind of getting to is, does anybody have the self-control necessary? And so I think it's more of a the blanket case. In any case, yeah. um, it's a very good topic. And I'm, we're certain to come back to this in the future. Uh, this, there's plenty to say about this on an ongoing basis. So we will definitely be talking about how the, the speed of technology. I mean, it's the core of why we talk about this from a faith, you know, technology from a faith perspective. Uh, before we move on to our next segment, I do want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including Carla S, Charles H, Matthew S, Alan and Melissa K and Masij B. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give Make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give and message. I'm sorry, that's not how you pronounce your name. It's a Polish name, and I have no idea how to pronounce it, <laughs> but I'm sure you're used to Americans butchering your name, and I apologize. So uh, let's move on to our headlines. Uh, our first headline comes out of South Korea. This is interesting. South Korea is going to start using virtual reality to determine if Elderly drivers can keep their driver's licenses. Uh, mm. We don't okay, have. This is scary. <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't have details on exactly what this will entail, like what sort of tests they're going to do. Uh, but this article that I'm going to link to, it, 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 refer, it references a research project that did something similar. And so they are kind of betting that what South, uh, South Korea is going to do will be like this. But the they start off by saying that Korea uh, doesn't have conditional licenses for the for elderly drivers like a lot of countries. Um, a lot of countries, when you re especially in the United States, there's a lot of states where when you reach a certain age, you have to start getting either you get tested more often or, you know, we've all heard those stories about the, you know, the 80 year old driver who mistakes the brake for the accelerator and ends up in the middle of the pizza place. You know, that mm -hmm. sort of scary story. And and then the things that uh, the children of elderly drivers taking away their keys and um, we're actually my family has gone through that recently ourselves with my mom who is suffering from early forms of dementia and still thinks that she should be driving which is a scary thought um so in south in south korea they're they're talking about using virtual reality where it would this particular kind of virtual reality testing tests uh driving cognitive and memory skills using driving simulations under a headset and, you know, they'll throw something like they're, you're driving down the street and suddenly a dog will jump out. And one of the things that makes this better than what they used to do, which was like they had a computer screen, is it's immersive. And so it feels mm -hmm. more real. People are going to react more honestly, I think, to these sorts of things. So what do you all think of using VR tests to test whether you should be able to keep your driver's license? Um, <laughs> as one as one who's been driving since she was 16 or <laughs> earlier. <laughs> Um, I think that is, I mean, I, this is legit because the older the boomers get, and I'm at the end of the boomer line, 
we've been driving all our lives. So we believe that we should be driving no matter what. And I think some of us need to be weeded. And I also think some of us need train, continue training as we get older. I know that my reactions are still pretty quick, but my peripheral is different. So I'm a little bit slower when I look from side to side now. And I, I can tell the difference. So I'm hoping I can police myself, but something like a VR might be a, might be a good thing. But as I can see here, the one, the one statistic that got me was, you know, number of traffic accidents caused by drivers over 65 is 1.86 times higher than those in their 30s. Okay, mm -hmm. that's probably because the, I'm finding younger people drive slower. <laughs> no, I am in all yeah. in all seriousness. Yeah. I am finding that the younger ones are more like the um, American graffiti types. You know, they're out cruising and they're doing their thing and they're mm. looking at their phones. Right. Oh yes. And they're not moving. So we older people are like, like, get out of the way. <laughs> and I, and I well, think there's some of that going on. Okay. Okay. But they. But yeah. But they're causing the accidents over sixty five as opposed to under the thirties. Yeah. So. No, it's because the under-30s aren't the ones causing... They're saying that the older people were the ones cutting them off. Well, they're driving with the phone well, in their hand. Yeah. I'm saying Let, let's it. Let's be honest. Let's not blame the young people for the older people. <laughs> I mean, that's always... That's, that's been a concern for a long time, is people, as they age, their ability to drive. And no, it, it's always been statistically, older people are more likely than someone who's middle-aged or a little younger to cause accidents. Um I think this is a very good thing. You know, my, 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 well, my mom can't drive because of some medical issues she has, but my dad is, he's kind of right on that, that point where I have, we have to start watching him. I mean, he's fine. He, he drives just fine right now, but he's, you know, he's right at 70. So it's that point where you got to start being concerned. Um, honestly, this needs to be for everybody. Yes. Everybody should have to go through this every couple of years. Um, and I don't mean like when you renew your license, no, like every two years you have to go and be renewed. Montana went to eight year license renewals. I think that, you know, because there are some horrible drivers out there and <laughs> very few of them are the old people. Right. Let's just put it that way. You know, I, I yeah. mean, it's just people don't know how to drive well. And so I, I would argue that this needs to be for everything, but it would make it a lot easier. I think for kids of elderly if they can say, no, you went to the state, the state said you can't drive anymore. This isn't just us. This is, you know, because the state is going to renew until kingdom come in most states. They, you don't, have, you know, you take one driving test and that's when you first got your license and you never set foot in the, in the, the car with an instructor ever again. Well, that's the thing is that some states are actually implementing these, these uh, relicensing uh, tests for older folks so it's it's coming there but those are they're doing um actual driving tests you mm -hmm. know and vision tests and some stuff like that but this is putting people in like a, in a in an on the road driving test you're not going to put someone in a it, you know they're just driving on the road but if you put right. someone in a crisis situation in, in virtual reality then you see really how they can react um, exactly. not just how they do on the road so i i i think this is a good idea i mean i'm not in the elderly uh, driver standpoint yet. So it's easy for me to say, but um, I would hope that at some point when it's, it's tough to give up that independence, you know, that's, that's a tough thing. Uh, but I hope that when the time comes that my kids will take, 
my keys and start driving me around. And, and by the way, Joanne, I, I'm I am one of the younger people that does drive fast as the handful of speeding tickets in my record show. Oh. <laughs> I just want people to drive the speed limit. I, agree. I mean, on a on a on a on a 50 mile an hour road. I just want people to drive 50 and not 35. That's <laughs> yeah. all I care about. Yeah, I agree. So let's move on to our next headline. This is an interesting one. I think you brought this to my attention, Joanne. This uh, story about um, this company out in L.A., because, of course, uh, they have this new AI technology, Artificial Neural Disc Jockey, or Andy. And what they've done is they've recorded the voices of, and in fact, the, the story talks about one particular disc jockey. They recorded a voice. Uh, using lots, hours and hours of of him reading for this specifically, and they've recreated his voice in artificial intelligence so that they can he can become a robot DJ, right? They can program it to say whatever they need to, and they propose this as a benefit in a couple ways. One thing is, is like for instance, this particular disc jockey has uh, lymphoma, uh, where he's potentially going to lose his voice or perhaps it could take his life, and his voice will live on beyond. Uh, he's a famous DJ for thirty over thirty years, and so uh, and in demand. So his voice could live on not only for the sake of his family to hear his voice, uh, you know, all the, you know, all the regular recordings could do that, but also to provide uh, income for the family as a, a legacy. They could continue to license out his voice for radio work. Uh, and this company says, yes, we could have uh, voice actors who could be prolific. They could make all kinds of content. You know, without having to actually read it out loud, they could, you know, be they're in demand so they can uh, do this. Of course, there's the flip side, which, you know, the, for every upside of a technology, there's a downside. Uh, deep fakes, um, you know, could could. Is it good that we have actors living on beyond death, for instance, like once Tom Hanks and, uh, and Tim Allen uh, pass on, will we still have them doing Toy Story seven and ten you know i mean is that something we want to have uh so what do you think of this the ai develop you know that the the upsides and pitfalls of ai voices well no there's there's a story in in star trek uh production that uh before major barrett died you know because she was the voice of the computer and all the tng series uh tng voyager ds9 she recorded films the 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 parts of of sound that make up uh syllables so all of them so that they could use her voice as the computers now obviously new production hasn't done that new star trek production hasn't done that for whatever reason and i kind of wish they would because i mean it's it's kind of cool but in the same time it is a little creepy that they can keep that that going that she could be speaking even though she's been dead for well over a decade yeah you know that is kind of weird yeah but it's so it's kind of an interesting idea, you know, and what is like talk about the radio situation, like the radio DJ, you know, you listen to Sirius XM, those DJs, DJs aren't live. They go in, they record whatever their recordings are for the day, their little interstitials for the day are, and they're done. They're not sitting there for five hours doing a shift They're You know, there might be in the studio for half an hour. They record their stuff. OK, have a good day. Yeah, I mean, uh, you think about like even with podcasts, like would it would it be different if, say, Jimmy Aiken and I, we we wrote out our script for a mysterious world and just had an AI, you know, just 
read it off, you know, or Jimmy write the whole script, you know, and then just have an AI create the audio file for it. Is that does that is that worse better or worse? I mean, does that lessen the value of what happens here? Is there some intangible benefit to having two people actually having the conversation versus? Mm-hmm. I mean, I say yes, but is yes, it, yeah, spontaneity, right, right. You know, these voices that are recorded can't respond to something that happens in real time. So if something were to happen, like a catastrophe, they wouldn't be able to say, stop the presses, here's what's going on. They'd be droning mm-hmm. on and on on their regular script. Um, I, I, unfortunately, I didn't send this to you, but I found it very fascinating. Um, deep fakes, I'd worry about that. Because mm-hmm. once a person... See, it's one thing to watch an old movie. I'm into old movies right now, so I was watching Damn Yankees last night on, a- on Amazon Prime. And to see Gwen Verdon doing her stuff and Ray Watson, Watson, it was just like, yeah, I like that. But that's a moment in time frozen, okay? It's not taking a voice pattern or taking boy actual words and stringing them together to do things in real time 2021. You know, it, it just doesn't. And then the voice ages. So mm-hmm. would it be a young Tom Hanks who would be talking or an older Tom Hanks? You know, right. so, you know, I don't mind. I get really nervous when we're talking about living after, you know, continuing after death. And so I get nervous because I just think it takes the humanness out of the person who is here and any kind of spontaneity. Right. In mm-hmm. reacting to immediate events and stuff like that. I, I, yeah. It's one thing if you're using it for someone who is losing their voice so that they can compute, control a computer and say, and still hear their voice and can still speak to other people. It's another thing if you want to use it after their death. That, that's, that's creepy. There's something incarnational about someone, uh, a live voice speaking. And I think that's a uniquely, from a, from a Catholic point of view, there's an incarnational aspect of it that humanness, there's a human dignity to that. Uh, so I, th- I think, Father Corey? Now, kind of an interesting tie-in on this, though, is how about recovering recordings from before, that someone made when they died? What I'm thinking of as an example is, in the 90s, they brought out Beatles anthology CDs. Mm. And one of the things they did on these CDs is there were some recordings, some just very amateur recordings, you can say. They were just simple recordings that John Lennon had did I think like a year before he died of where he, songs he had written. He was playing them on a piano and singing into a recorder, you know, simple cassette recorder. And they remastered those recordings and the rest of the Beatles came in and sung with them. Yeah. Is this a similar idea though? Because of course, John Lennon was by this point, he had been dead for over 10 years and the rest of the Beatles were live, you know, I think it's, it's, different. it's kind of a yeah. different balance. Yeah. It's a different balance. I know that, yeah. but it's just it's 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 a similar kind of question. But what if you, it's trying to? Yeah. What if you took the, those tapes of him singing into a tape recorder, uh, you know, with a piano, and then created an AI version of his voice, right. And put right. it in a studio with that's the AI different. versions of the other Beatles. Exactly. That would be no, a different exactly thing. Exactly. It. It's not an you know, actual that, performance. That, yeah. You yeah. know, where it's not an actual performance. And I, I, I agree yeah. with you on that. It's just, I just bring that up to kind of no, say, you know, there is a point there where you can say, I mean, this was a live recording right. of John Lennon during his life matched with live recordings of the other Beatles right. during that, their life. So, I mean, key question. And, yeah. and, and in the 90s, they were experimenting with that because if you remember Nat King Cole 
singing with mm-hmm. his daughter Natalie Cole yeah. and doing yes. Unforgettable. It was a big similar, hit. Similar idea. So yeah. It's, yeah. it's a similar idea, but I have you seen that done lately? Not really, because I think the music world has decided they'd rather have live. They'd well, rather it, have it's, live it's going thing. on. What strikes me, though, is, is especially with this DJ issue, of course, this is supposed to be an artificial intelligence that can react and everything. And, you know, that it, it can, it's scripted, but they can, it can do automated as well. Why even bother have the DJ Dap, at this point? a lot of work. Why even bother have the DJ? I mean, right. because people are listening to things like Pandora and Spotify. There's no DJ there. Yeah. Even when you listen to Sirius XM, I'll be honest, the DJ is more of a distraction sometimes than it is... You know, because it's like, no, I'm not here to listen to you blather on about whatever. I'm here to listen to the music you're playing and you're not even playing it. Some engineer has programmed the playlist on the computer like you would with an iTunes playlist. Streaming has, plays. yeah, streaming has left the DJs behind. Yeah. So I got a couple of stories I want to talk about, a couple of headlines that are sort of follow ups to things we've talked about before. Uh, in fact, just I think last week we talked about uh, I talked with Jack and Thomas about uh Air tags being uh, this uh, police department in Canada talk, uh, warning that air tags were being used to track luxury vehicles by uh, car thieves. And one of the things we talked about is how Apple had built into iPhones the ability to detect when an air tag that doesn't belong to you is traveling with you, that someone perhaps has planted on you or your vehicle. Uh, but if you are an Android user, you're out of luck. Well, Apple, as we talked about, Apple was developing and now has released in the, in the interim this android app which lets you tell whether someone you well a lets you use air tags you know just in general mm-hmm. but also uh lets warns you if someone has planted an air tag on you uh to track you so uh so they have a tracker detect app for android and uh i think yeah and and yeah it it, it you can get one that just tracks it just detects trackers and then you can also get if the one that uh, another app i think it's I, i've got it right that there's two different ones um no no it's one app it's one app sorry i i the, it was a little ambiguous when i first read it but i'm looking at it now and so it's one app called tracker detect that tells you whether uh someone is whether there's an air tag near you um and that sort of thing so if you think you might be concerned just throw this little app on your phone and it will it will let you know if someone's tracking with an air tag so so apple now that you figured out how to uh, do android apps I, i've got a couple other things you could add to the list <laughs> i message i'm sick of green bubbles yes <laughs> but you know i i message blue bubbles are a thing that apparently brings well, people to the iphone well in that the problem is i message if you like if john if you send me an i message i can only get it on my ipad right yeah, right. if I, if I spend it like say from my Mac to you, it only shows up on your on your iPad. Uh, whereas, so yeah, ha- so as a sender, I have to think about wh- how I'm sending it, and yeah, I don't like that that aspect of it, and it's really kind of annoying. Um, so it, it that's a reason for Apple to upgrade. Yeah. I I don't see iMessage as that killer app as much as Apple thinks it is, but. Some people it might be. It's just annoying because it's it's more separation that that doesn't need to be there. That's true. That's true. Right. And when you're on with like your parish, okay, and Mm -hmm. it's parish staff and not everybody wants to go to Slack and not everybody has an iPhone, it becomes terrible because some people don't get what you're sending and now they're out of the loop. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. But but on, but on this particular yeah. thing, this 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 is a, a very good thing that, yes, you know, is. I mean, I, I don't know how many of us have to worry about this, but the fact that because I mean, yeah, they talk about like stealing cars. But what about a, a estranged stalkers uh, and husband, yes. wife, yeah. stalker, something like that? You know, they can do this pretty easily, too. You know, or just a random, just a yeah. random, you know, somebody wants to hurt somebody just for the heck of it you for know, 30 bucks mm-hmm. yeah yeah the, it's yep, it's not exactly. that expensive to track somebody down getting gps trackers to put on people used to be a much more difficult you know uh expensive thing it's not as much anymore exactly so good good on apple thank you apple and then the other thing that is sort of a follow-up we had a, a episode about six months ago where we talked about tech memento mori and i'll put a link to that episode in the show notes where pat scott and i talked about you know technology to help us for when we pass on or when the loved ones prepare for when they pass on to help us uh, recover, you know, to make sure that we have our data and that we don't lose things. Uh, We talked about how hard it is for people to get into the iPhones and iPads and that sort of thing of loved ones who've died. Well, Apple had announced and now in iOS 15.2 has released the iPhone digital legacy feature. And we'll put a link in the show notes that tells how, how you set it up. I would encourage you to set it up on your phone, to upgrade and set it up on your phone if you're an iPhone user right away. If you are, and to tell all of your iPhone using friends and family to do this as well, because it's so important. Because without this, your anything that's on your phone is lost when you die. Already done. Did it this morning because my husband... While I have given him complete instructions on here are the paths where we, we share last pass, right. we do all of that, he will not remember. <laughs> right. So I printed it out for him, the yeah. little QR code, and put it in his filing cabinet, you know, marked saying only if, you, only if we need this, and so he can get the photos, because I've got all the photos. And uh, so the way it works is, uh, as you mentioned, you you set it up, you pick a, a, a contact, they will get a message, but you also get, it has a, a, a QR code that you print out. And when the time comes, you need the death certificate and you need this QR code and, and it's got a recovery key basically on it. And you go to the Apple's we- uh, website, digital-legacy.apple.com, I think it is. It's in the show notes. So you'll, you'll see that. And... Uh, then you enter the information and you get three years from the from the date of of that you you start the process three years access to that so you you have three years to download everything you can have multiple contacts legacy contacts if you do let them know that they that they that there are more than one so that someone doesn't go okay I'm done with this I'm deleting it you know that sort of thing so that everyone knows that there's multiple people who have access to this um, and. I encourage you to have multiples, like say if you're married, have your spouse, but also have someone who doesn't live with you, say a sibling or lawyer, maybe, I don't know that maybe, I don't know if a lawyer <laughs> wants to do this so that if God forbid something happens to the two of you <laughs> at the same time, like an accident, again, somebody has access to this stuff who isn't the two of you. Uh, it works for anyone over the age of 13. Mm. So presumably, and you can even designate your minor children, uh, frankly, as a legacy contact. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, when I did it, I have a family group with as um, uh, my uh, wife, but also all my kids. And it offered to have all of, the, you know, any of them be my legacy contact. So uh, check it out. Get it done. <laughs> yeah, I totally, totally agree. And if you're an only child like I am, 
get a good friend. Yes. Who you know is good, who's technologically savvy, who can actually do this in case anything happens. No, it's a very, very good thing. And definitely, definitely a, more apps, not just Apple, but more things need to have this kind of capability definitely. where it make it easy to get in. So, yeah. And we mentioned in that, cool. in that episode that uh, Facebook has a legacy, like memorializing a page sort of feature and that sort of thing. So I think more and more companies are realizing they need to do this to get on board. So the, the data that you can access includes photos, messages, notes, files, apps that's been do- downloaded, device backups, and more. Informa- certain other information like movies, music, books, or subscriptions purchased with the Apple ID uh, is not available. Like, so you can't get, con- mm-hmm. you can't take the over there movies and that sort of thing. Uh, nor can you get access to the data stored in a keychain, like payment information and passwords, which, you know, mm. that, that makes sense. That makes sense. All right. So uh, that is it for our headline. So those two, those are two good follow-ups. I'm, uh, I, I like there. So let's move on to our picks of the week. So uh, Father Corey, uh, you wanted to go first. What is your pick this week? So my, my pick itself is kind of boring, but there's a, a bigger story behind it. Uh, so the pick is an outdoor TV antenna uh, made by GE, or at least labeled as GE. Uh, of course, General Electric's, I don't think, has made a device in about 30 years. They outsourced <laughs> all their production since. But it's basically what it sounds like. It's, uh, there's two main parts. You got the, the main booster itself, which sits outside on your antenna. If you're, you know, if, you're a wire, if, you're a, if you're a cord cutter like me and you get your TV over the air, uh, the local channels over the air, uh, sometimes you might have a channel that's just out of reach or just on the edge of reception, which I did. There was one uh, transmitter that was just on the edge of reception. This thing brought it right into perfect. I mean, it's beautiful signal. I have no problems with any kind of signal degradation or nothing now that I put this thing on there. But you put the the one main booster, it sits outside right next to your, you know, right in line with your antenna. So you go from the antenna to this booster, this booster to wherever the wire goes in your house, the splitters and all that stuff. And then inside the house, you have another little power box that runs the power back to the booster through the cable. So you don't run a separate cable. You just you screw it in in line with your TV. In my case, it's the Plex server because I've got uh, a TV a TV tuner for my Plex server. And so it goes from the cable goes from the antenna through this power booster into the black Plex. It just runs great. It just, you know, you plug it in the wall just like normal and it just runs great. It does a really good job. Now, there's more to the story, though, to this device, because it's made by a company called Jasco. And Jasco is one of those companies that makes for everybody, Philips and Honeywell and GE and Energizer and all these other different brands. You know, they make tech LEDs and power cables and all that kind of stuff. Well, this is a company that now I haven't explored this deeply, but they claim that 50 percent of their net profits go to humanitarian causes. They are a Christian company that's explicitly Christian that gives money to charity, uh, 50% of their profits. And so they give to, you know, you know, help water, you know, to develop water programs in, in developing countries, food charities, shelter charities like uh, Habitat for Humanity, um, uh, charities that work with uh, uh, disaster relief and things like that. And so... We, we hear all these companies that they're giving to these organizations that we find less uh, moral. This is a company that does good things as well, this Jasco. So, you know, it might be something worth if you're going to look at getting a newer power strip. Go and see what this company produces. If there's a power strip that you could order from them, then you could, you'd be helping out charities as well as 
Gosh, they make as well as getting the products you need. They make everything: LED lighting, smart home stuff, timers, home security, power and charging, cables, home entertainment. Man, they, <laughs> I was just like, like, oh, they have a USB-C multi-port charger where I've been looking for. Maybe I should get that from them. Uh, yeah. Pretty wild. So, yeah. And, and again, you know, in, in, I haven't investigated the company deeply. Everything I've seen in just, you know, about five, ten minutes of research looks like it's, it's above board. But it's good to kind of call out a company that's doing something good. You know, and, and they're, they're explicit about the fact that we are a Christian company. We, you know, they, they talk about on their website how they offer. Now, it's not mandatory but they offer for their employees Bible studies. If their company, if their employees want to go to a Bible study, they can sponsored by the company. So stuff like that. So send out some good news for a good company for once and a good signal booster. If you need it for your antenna. (laughs) Nice pick. Excellent. So Joanne, what is your pick this week? Well, it's a, it's something that is probably on every Apple device, but no one knows what to do with it. And instead, every time they have a problem, they just ring up Apple on the phone. It is the Apple support app. And the once upon a time that goes with this is the fact that once upon a time, a brand new puppy in my house decided to chew on an AirPod and destroy it. (laughs) Now, after freaking out that she didn't swallow the battery part of it, and thank you, Jesus, she didn't. We had to figure out, okay, how do we get a new, a new AirPod? So I started looking around. And the thing about the app is that it will show you. You don't have to be on your phone to look at phone. You don't have to be on your iPad to look at iPad. You can see every single device you have and on any product and all your services as well. This app will help you with any of them. So before you call Apple, if you feel that's what you need to do, you can look at, you know, things like topics, repairs and physical damage, device performance. You can look up these topics and see what you're supposed to do with it instead of going to the G-Lady. Um, and it, it just gives you a very in-depth. So by the time I, d- I decided I needed to call Apple because I needed to send, you know, have a new one sent, I had already figured out what was going on. So I think this is a very, very handy little app that might save you a phone call or confirm the fact that you need to make the phone call. But it goes through every product and I have 11 of them. So it will and it will tell you whether you're not at whether you have Apple care on the device, which is also a good thing because while I was looking for the AirPod, I found out that I really needed to get Apple care for my new computer quickly before I ran out of time. So it, it's a very handy app to have and use it's not just there because apple put it there it's got some real i mean it'll go what what happens if you forget your password how do you troubleshoot the apple tv you know things like that so if you have it look into it and and consider using it before you just pick up the phone and and start babbling well i'm not sure what's going on (laughs) because they get those calls all the time i'd rather call them and say this is exactly what's happening and thank you for that app does it does it have live chat with uh, Apple Care in the app? I didn't not that remember. I could see. Okay, but the thing is, is that it helps you diagnose what you're dealing with. I mean, I had to. I had four pieces of an iPod, and I was trying to figure out if I had all the right pieces or had she swallowed something. You know, so it and then and then what do you do? 
how do you pair it when you get it? Because we only had to get one AirPod. So, but now we know not to leave them out for little doggies. <laughs> and it wasn't right. mine, so I'm not going to remind him anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, that is pretty awesome. Yeah, I've I've used this app before. I mean, all this information is on, the, on their website, I suppose. But the way that does it on the phone is really nice. It leads you through the steps, and it's all right there. Phone, iPad, yeah, really nice. I I have to say because the reason I asked about the the uh, the chat is I've used the chat through their website, and Apple Care Chat is really helpful, really useful. They have some of the best um uh help uh around that I've that I've encountered, so that's really good. Awesome, good pick. Everyone should every if you don't have it on your phone, you should uh, or your iPad, your iPhone or iPad, you should download it. So my pick is an app that's available for both iOS and Android called Sky Guide. And what this is, is a it's an astronomy app. What I love about this is it, it's chock full of information. It's got all kinds of great stuff in there. But the best part of it is it, it uses the gyroscope in the phone so that you, you hit this, the, the, this uh, you, you open up the app. And if you hit the, uh, there's a little icon of a, like a compass. It starts moving as you move the phone around. It changes its or what it's looking at. So, if you say, "What is that star right there?" You hold the phone up in the sky, you know, to, to the sky. It will show you what's in the sky where the phone is. Even better, there's an additional mode where it will see through. It'll turn the camera on and overlay the constellation information on what is in the 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 view of the camera. So. Like, you, what is that bright, st- bright spot thing in the sky right there? Oh, that's Jupiter. And and then what's where's where's Orion? And then you see the constellations. It's all there. And it's got all kinds of other stuff. You could see auroras. You could see satellites. And you get, uh, you know, where's the ISS at any moment? It has other information about, uh, you know, space news, anything ast- astronomical news. A few uh, Geminid meteor showers, like say that we just had the Geminid meteor showers this week. If where where do I look for the meteors to be coming from? Oh, you they're over here in this part of the sky. You know, it tells you these things. So it's a great little app. Um, I should look up. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. What is the? It, it looks like it's free, but there's in-app purchases. Okay, yeah, yeah. I don't even remember what the uh, what the purchases are, but. Um, I don't think I've ever bought uh, <laughs> anything for, uh, in it. It's available Sold. even. Yeah, <laughs> it, um, it you can even get it on your Mac, which is kind of interesting uh, because uh, it you know a Mac running Monterey will allow you to 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 run a lot of um, iOS apps. Uh, you can't. I don't think you want to hold your your computer up to the sky, <laughs> but it's a nice way to get some information you know from while you're sitting at your desk. So I'm trying to look at what the there's a yeah there's a the pro you can spend up to forty bucks to get everything unlocked. There's a four dollar there's a five dollar pro thing, um, and then there's a two dollar uh, like all constellations. So there's a ver- various things. I'm not sure exactly what everything there's, there's a. Yeah, you can get. By the uh, way, Dom, yeah. I, I hate to contradict you, but there is a Sky Guide for Android, but it's not this app. Well, they say that it's on their website. Nope, nope. Uh, Fifth Star Labs. Okay, must be a different one. Sorry. Oh, okay, sorry about the the misinformation. I, 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 sorry, I hate to contradict you, but no, I'm, no, because I I want to make sure no one got misled because there is an app out there um, 
called Sky Guide hasn't been updated since 2015, and it looks pretty pitsy. So. Oh, okay, okay. Well, sorry, folks. Uh, thank you for the correction. I, I must have, uh, when I was Googling the link, I, I must have found the seen something wrong there. So, uh, but anyway, in, in, in at least with this one, uh, if you if you're iOS or Mac, it's a nice. Uh, but the iOS one looks really sweet. It's a pretty, yeah, it's mean, a pretty, and I love the, uh, we use it all the time in my family where we, you know, it's like, oh, what what constellations are we looking at? And we do the whole see through the viewfinder, the, through the camera thing. And it's just amazing. It's kind of, kind of mm-hmm. awesome the, the way they do that. So, all right. Then I will update the link and make sure it doesn't say Android on it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Let's wrap things up uh, at this point. And I want to first encourage the listeners to send in your feedback let us know what you think of our discussion if you have any tips any topics you'd like us to discuss anything like that you can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash technology or at the sqpn facebook page facebook.com slash starquest media or send an email to technology at sqpn.com we're also on twitter where we're at sqpn and we're on Instagram, where we're at StarQuest Network, because SQPN wasn't available. And <laughs> we're all the, all the places. <laughs> You'll find links from our discussion and our picks of the week on our show notes at sqpn.com. Be sure to write a review in Apple Podcasts or one of the podcast directories that allows them. That is very important to help us get the show in front of more folks. It, it, it gooses the algorithm, and it lets us know uh, how we're doing. Uh, be sure to share the podcast with your friends, especially your friends who are maybe not so sure about technology and are trying to get a handle on it. What That's what we're here for is to help people to be the voice of the common man and woman, not uh, just the tech pundits. And uh, that helps us grow our community as well. Until next time, Joanne Mercier, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Thanks, Dom. And Father Christika, thank you as well. Thank you much. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of technology on StarQuest. Hi, everyone. This is Dom Bettinelli, CEO of StarQuest, with a special message as we approach the Christmas season. This past year, the StarQuest Network has continued to expand our mission of exploring the intersection of faith and pop culture through our many entertaining and informative programs. Now we need your generous financial support to reach new audiences with more of the life-changing and uplifting programming we've been creating for more than a decade. That's why it's very important that we hear from you this Advent and Christmas, the time when nonprofits receive most of their support for the year. If you are already a supporter of StarQuest, we thank you and ask you to prayerfully consider increasing your support at this time. If you're not yet a supporter, please become one now. Every gift counts. Could you give $15 or even just $10 per month? Whatever level of support you can offer, please show your support for SQPN this Christmas. And remember that your gifts may be tax deductible. Just go to sqpn.com give. That's sqpn.com give. May God bless you this Advent, and may you have a blessed Christmas season.